Hey everyone, my name is Weston Nakamura from Blockworks Macro in Tokyo. It is Monday, March 27th, 2023 at Asia Markets Close. Welcome to the Market Depth Podcast, bringing you global market commentary and analysis from the Asia Pacific trading session so that you know what happened overnight. So uh, in the equity space out of Asia today, um, we're kind of mixed across the region, but I do want to point out specifically the Hang Seng Index, Hong Kong, which is down uh, 1.75% on the day. This was driven down by largely by Baidu shares, um, which were down as much as 5% before kind of recovering to only being down about 3% on the day. Um, but they basically announced that they will be canceling their live stream launch of ErnieBot. ErnieBot is their version of ChatGPT. Um, and so instead of doing this kind of live stream presentation, they're going to be presenting and testing um, ErnieBot in closed door private meetings. And so this has had a drag on, obviously not just Baidu shares, but on the other kind of index heavyweights as well. You know, Meituan, Tencent down 5-6% uh, on the day as well. Now, just note that we may have seen this movie before, like just very recently, earlier this month, when Baidu did their limited launch of ErnieBot, and shares fell like 10-15% to 15 or so in reaction over the following few days, but then saw a 25% reversal and recovery rally on the shares as analysts had one by one had positive takeaways coming out of these meetings. Um, and so we might be seeing this, this very same setup right now um, with this pull, pullback in, in Baidu. And then you know what may come going forward um, over the next days to weeks, right? Baidu said that there's a strong demand for this round of private meetings. There's some 120,000 companies that are lined up to test ErnieBot. Uh, but you know, the sell-off could also be just very much in large part due to just sentiment of Chinese government and their perceived, ha you know, heavy-handed controlled approach to AI and the limited or the limiting of the pool of information available um, for AI for which to generate from and thus inferior results. There may be that, you know, playing into it as well, and that might be sort of longer lasting if that kind of sentiment uh, continues to exist, especially, you know, on the on the heels of what was, let's just say, a contentious hearing in the U.S. Congress with the CEO of TikTok. But nonetheless, just something that I wanted to point out on a single stock level that I thought might be of interest. Now, uh, on to rates land. And the latest on rate volatility, for which those who have been following market depth know that I've been highlighting the sovereign bond market volatility as, you know, like a centerpiece of what's on my radar um, in markets. And it's not that I'm choosing this kind of stuff either. This is what is presented to me in markets and therefore what I'm I'm following. I, I don't get to choose these topics, right? Markets and, and kind of developments choose them for me. So last week. I discussed kind of what the real world implications are or repercussions of this like almost unprecedented rates volatility occurring over the last month or so. I, I talked about it via the scope of veteran macro hedge funds who can't seem to handle extreme day to day swings in rates and are blowing up. Um, so Brevin Howard, right? They're grounding three. They grounded three rates traders. Graticule Asia shut down due to this month's front end rate vol um, having erased years of gains. Um, then you have Hader's Jupiter Fund, which was up 200% in 2022, is currently suffering the worst losses since inception in 97, once again due to uh, not just their short position in front-end rates, but just the wild swings in rates. So now the latest on that front is now we have Roco's Capital Management, okay, about $15 billion in assets under management, um, who was up 50% in, up in 2022, is currently down 15%. 
uh, on the mo on the month as of March 17th. And if that persists, that would be the second worst month since inception. So Chris Rokos wrote a letter to his investors this Saturday saying, quote, we have de-risked following this month's market price action uh, and PL volatility has declined substantially as a result. Okay, so yet another one, and it's neither the last one nor are the ones I've mentioned like so far a comprehensive list in any way at all. This is just what we know about, but I guarantee that there's far more blowups that we don't know of. And again, this isn't over by any means. This is very much like real-time, you know, ongoing matter. Okay, now, why am I making a point about these hedge fund blowups? So first of all, I discussed this in last week's, you know, March 22 episode of Market Death. The episode's called Hedge Funds Blow Up from Rate Volatility from March 22nd. Check that out for further detail on the subject if you haven't already. But I just want to add to my point on the matter, okay? So when these giant levered players in markets blow up or have sudden steep record losses, these aren't times for orderly exits out of positions okay that's forced exiting and unwinding and margin calls and like automated risk model liquidations and all that okay in other words what that means is it's price indiscriminate execution behavior at work so when you're an execution trader on the institutional side on the buy side or on the sell side right your job is to execute the large, like, notional-sized buy or sell order with minimal market impact. That's the job. Actually, the job is to get the best execution, you know, possible, right? So if you can get a trade fill that's better than what's quoted on screen, then that's doing the job well, right? But the, the basic fundamental purpose is to not move markets, particularly and obviously against yourself as you're executing your own order. Right, like if you're buying up large quantities of XYZ, be stealthy, right? Don't start lifting the ask price in full size and shove the market upwards on yourself as you're still in the process of getting your full size fill done, right? Um, but when it's like code red emergency time for literal survival of the fund, it's price indiscriminate position exiting rush out at any cost execution behavior. And what does that do in an already thin and illiquid market? Or a far, far more thin and illiquid than perceived market until realized in real time. It makes for these sort of multi-standard deviation movements in, in those markets that rival things like Black Monday 1987. And then the subsequent apology letters to investors that they've taken massive hits to their P&L or are just outright out of business. Right? So this is why I'm pointing these like wrong-footed hedge fund mishaps or mishaps these disasters out okay what we're seeing in extreme market volatility and the move index at or above 2008 levels that kind of volatility triggers levered funds to suddenly behave in price indiscriminate trading and if not the actual implosions themselves visible in market price action what you're seeing in the front end of the rates curve at the two-year end, these huge swings up and down, especially, you know, yields down, so prices up, that could very well be one of these hedge funds trying to exit a position or exiting position price indiscriminately that's being, you know, reflected or shown in markets. And therefore, so what we're seeing in terms of, like, things like yield curve steepenings as of late, right, or front end rate pr pricing in general right it's not necessarily 
like only what markets are telling us, right? Because everyone is looking at the huge dispersion right now between what the Fed is saying and what they're guiding for, right? Versus what market prices are, right? So like, yes, there's a disparity between the two, between what the Fed is guiding for and where markets are pricing. Yes, I acknowledge that there's a disparity, but it's likely not as extreme as it seems or as it's priced currently, okay? And markets are just reflecting the behavior of traders with market moving firepower whose house is on fire, right? So if there's a crowded short front end rates position across many hedge funds, let's just say random figures, let's say there's like 50 large hedge funds positioned, all positioned like short in two years, okay? And then there's an extreme volatility and uh, collapse in, in front end yields or a massive bid in two years, right? So that movement may just be forcing others you know, the first 10 with like the most sensitive sort of risk models or the most levered to have to force exit. And then that triggers the next 10 to have to do so. And then the next 20 to have to do so kind of all at once. Right. And they're, they're, they're doing so like resulting in just, just a further collapse in yields. Um, and therefore market pricing that's divergent from the fed guidance, but that's not, an opening of long two-year positions against the Fed, right? That's, again, forced exiting of positions that are actually in line with the Fed, right? Short-term interest rates will rise. That's why they were positioned short. They're getting forced squeezed out of those positions, right? So that's a huge difference between new longs coming in and being forced out of something that was actually in line with the Fed all along. Now, I'm obviously not saying that there's, like, no long two-year positions being opened um, in defiance of the Fed. Like, obviously there are. What I'm saying, though, is that there are both new longs and short covering. And everyone is just talking about it as if there's only one type of market buying. Like, this is only new, new longs, without considering that there's also buying to close positions that exist as well. So, look, I don't know just how much more of this position cleaning cleansing is left out there, if at all, but... I just offer this perspective to consider that there are plenty of positions that are or were actually in line with what the Fed is uh, guiding for, but they're being forcibly and unwillingly, you know, forced out of these positions in a cascading manner in a in this low, you know, trading liquidity and high volatility market setup. And if these blowups wrap up soon, we may very well see markets uh, and the Fed kind of reconverge, um, at least more than they are currently. So this notion of like markets know everything forward-looking matter, just believe markets because they're they the best kind of indicators of what's to come and all that, that might not be as ironclad as it used to be. Like this time might be different in that way, right? Like what we read from signals in market pricing may not be as pure reflections of recessions coming or whatnot, you know, as they used to be. Um, and we might be learning that kind of flaw in, in real time. Okay, so that's something that I just want to present to everyone before we read too deeply into market price levels themselves and price action as a sort of a reflection of what investors collectively behave, you know, are, are doing and are pricing for. I think that, in fact, most of it is being heavily influenced by forced position exiting from positions that originally did agree with the Fed's more hawkish guidance than currently being priced. Okay, so it's just something to consider. So as it relates to like looking ahead for the week, we have a whole bunch of Fed speakers 
throughout the week, right? And so if there's a market move at the front end or, or anywhere, right, let's not attribute that directly to the, what the Fed speakers are saying or not saying or whatever whatever it is that they're espousing or what have you, right? Like, it could very well just be kind of mechanical or, like, we need to stay in business sort of decisions or forced arm twisting that's going on in markets that happens to just be coinciding with or is just being triggered by one after another, you know, very crowded positions or just very high and untradeable rate volatility or market volatility in general. Okay, so it's just something to keep in mind for the week. Um, at the end of this week, we're looking for, you know, USPC data at the end of the week. But more so, I'm also looking at the China manufacturing PMI coming out on Friday. Um, I'll get more to this in the next video. Um, but that print could potentially really matter. It was very much so market moving on the last month where the China manufacturing PMIs came out very strong and much more so than uh, anticipated. And it had a risk on reaction cross asset. Not just in the Hang Seng Index, not just on Dollar CNY, but on E-mini futures, on Bitcoin, on everything across the board. Okay, so again, I'll get into that more for uh, the next video. Okay, so that's it for me. Thanks for watching Market Depth. Um, as always, make sure you have your notifications turned on because these episodes, especially for this week, will be very time sensitive to that trading day. And make sure that you are obviously subscribed on your favorite podcast apps as well as on Blockworks Macro YouTube. On behalf of Blockworks Macro, my name is Wes Nakamura from Tokyo. We'll see you next time. Thanks.